When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Arkansas Razorback fans, thank you so much for downloading and listening to the latest episode of the Hog Talk podcast. Today, our very own Kyle Sutherland and Porter Hayes will be interviewing John Neighbors from The Buzz. You know him down there in Little Rock and across the state. John Neighbors, we're really excited to have him on. At the end, if you guys would be so kind to rate and review the Hog Talk podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. Woo Pig Suey, go Hogs! The Hog Talk podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. is going on Arkansas Razorback fans SEC fans everywhere welcome to the latest episode of the Hog Talk podcast I am of course the Friday host Ty Hudson thank you guys for being here for listening we got a good one lined up for you Uh, I think I think it kind of goes without saying that any bit of Razorback news that we get it's like we're gonna we're just trying to be all over it as much as we can. Of course, we only do, you know, one to two of these shows a week, so we try to get we try to get you the latest content, you know, ASAP. So we have had some things happen, and uh, we're gonna start off first. I, I didn't know if you guys remembered a certain prospect, a, a former Razorback four-star commitment from the 2020 class. Tykes Crawford, you remember him? You remember old Tykes Crawford? If I if I remember correctly, he he decommitted before Chad Morris was fired. I think he was one of I think there were two, if I remember right, that decommitted before Chad Morris was ultimately fired, and I believe he was one of them. Tykes Crawford, he's out of uh, Carthage, Texas High School. Again, he's a former four-star offensive tackle. He signed with the school. His NLI, he signed. With Charlotte University, that's probably the best prospect in terms of star power they have ever signed in the modern 
era of, of high school recruiting in terms of, you know, all these dot-com sites, rivals and 24-7 sports with their rating system, with the star power behind him. Four stars. Last I checked, he was four-star across the board. There might have been one of those, maybe ESPN. I don't know how many people actually take ESPN, whether it's basketball or football. I don't know how serious you take their recruiting system. I really kind of take... You take it all with a grain of salt, right? Because you don't really know how well a kid's going to pan out. You don't know that he's really a five or a four star. We see it more times than not. Um, kids don't always live up to their to the star power, and that's okay. But regardless, Tyke's Crawford, very talented tackle, going to start off with Charlotte University. Very interesting to go that route. Um. Before we move on to, to more football, because we do have a little bit. We are we also had a, a, a commitment. We had a recruit commit. He was offered and then committed. Bing, bang, boom. This has happened now twice this year where they've offered a kid on the same day. He's uh, he That player ends up committing to the Razorbacks. Before we get into that, Ladyback Basketball, how about the th- ranked right now, according to ESPN, in the mock WNBA draft, how about Alexis Tolfrey at 34th overall? They have they have her, they expect her to go to the Los Angeles Sparks. So Alexis Tolfrey, point guard at Arkansas. 34th overall pick. We knew that team had talent, and there's just more coming. So kudos to Mike Neighbors and everything that he's doing and that staff. He's got a talented group coming back next year. It's going to be really interesting. Assuming we have a freaking basketball season. Oh, my Lord. We need sports back so bad. You know, I because we went to uh, – we got our press passes to the to the Ladyback games, as a lot of you know. And uh, I'm telling you, man, that <laughs> they are loaded with talent. And they've only got more to come. And how about that? They've got a top 35 pick on that, on that roster. Shouldn't shock anybody. Shouldn't shock anybody who's paying attention. So, yeah. Um – Congrats to her. I think there's even a possibility she could go higher, but right now ESPN has her as the 34th overall pick in the WNBA mock draft. All right, back to the football recruiting. How about this? Three-star dual-threat quarterback. He's actually ranked the number 20. He's ranked 25th according to 24-7 Sports as the number 25 dual-threat quarterback, Landon Rogers. This kid is a legit 6'4". I think he's just under about 220 pounds. He's he's pretty he's big and fast, big and fast. Um, I don't. Someone I was talking with someone. And they said he sure does remind them a lot of AJ Derby. You remember him out of, out of high school, and then ultimately would would find his way eventually down the road to Arkansas, and he ended up being a tight end and did okay at the NFL level. He made some. Uh, he made a couple of rosters. He's pretty athletic. Could could catch everything. I watched him play a little bit in the NFL, and and uh, you know, not too shabby. Hard to believe that you know the future for him for a while. Everyone thought he was going to end up being a you know being a quarterback. Landon Rogers, similar in size, that six four, like I said, around two fifteen, two twenty overall frame. Uh, I watched a lot of his content or a lot of his videos, I should say, and uh, he is he's he's. Looks like he's got really good pocket awareness. When he steps out of the pocket, he can be difficult to bring down, not just because of his speed, because of his stature. Having that 6'4", 220 frame sure does help him outside of the pocket, but he's got some quick feet. 
Uh, I don't I don't know his official forty time. Uh, again, I'm not sure how if he's going to get a bump in the ratings. I, I don't know if he's going to be one of those kids that do, but he is considered one of the top ten players in the state of Arkansas. Uh, there are people that think pretty highly of of him and think that Landon could end up getting that ultimate bump in the in the recruiting rankings. Whether or not that means he gets a fourth star or not, you know that time will tell. Last year, his junior year, he he completed ninety nine of one hundred eighty two attempts for a total of sixteen hundred yards, and uh, that, that that's not too shabby down there in Little Rock. Nineteen passing touchdowns to two interceptions. I think we'll take that all day long. 19 touchdowns to two picks. That's pretty incredible. 584 total rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. So, yeah. If now this is what's this is what's interesting. Next year, if all pans out, and again, he's out of a Parkview Magnet out of Little Rock, Arkansas for this 2021 class. If everything pans out, if Franks, Felipe Franks, does not apply for, I think technically would be a sixth year, if I'm not mistaken, or a second year with the Razorbacks, that should leave John Stephen Jones, KJ Jefferson, Malik Hornsby for your 2021 depth chart. And that's assuming none of these guys leave. And that's also, you've got Caden Salter out there, four-star dual-threat quarterback out of Texas. I don't know what this means for him. I don't know if the plan, and if they're telling this to all the recruits, we're going to take two quarterbacks, I don't know. I have not heard Sam Pittman talk about that. If you know, hey, feel free to enlighten us on social media, slide into our DMs, whatever. As far as I know, it, it, they're still all over Salton. Salter, excuse me, Caden. Again, four-star dual-threat kid. A little bit smaller in stature, but he's pretty quick, pretty dangerous outside the pocket. Uh, highly rated out of the state of Texas. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how all this pans out. But again, that's John Steven, KJ, Malik Hornsby, for your uh, 2021, for your depth chart. So I, I don't know how you feel. And let's say you don't add. Let's say they do whiff on Caden Salter. Although right now I think they get him. I do. I think they end up with Caden. But if, if that's your depth chart with Malik Hornsby, boy, that leaves a lot of questions for that for the following season. So again, there's so much. There's so many variables in in the equation of the quarterback position right now. That's a difficult one to figure out because Felipe Frank's could apply and from what we've been told that he would probably be eligible for another year to be the quarterback for the 2021 season as well so that's your uh, that's really all we have on football right now recruiting wise I, I don't have anybody on recruit or on uh, excuse me on commit watch there are some uh, I'm telling you this top 10 class it's kind of you know I say this every year once you kind of unpeel the onion a little bit you find out there's there's a little bit more underneath, and and uh, there's some there's some decent talent that that don't have the star power next to their names in this in this class alone. Um, I mean, we've already you've already got Arkansas's commitment with Terry Wells, who is uh, according to twenty four seven Sports, he's the number he's he's a four star recruit. He's a number one player according to just the twenty four seven, not the composite. You do have Norwood down at Fort Smith. Deldrick Withers, who's a KU commit at the time being. Or I believe he committed to KU. Am I, is that right? Let me click on this and open that up really quick. Um, I thought he committed to KU already. Yeah, he did. April 13th, he did commit. That's right. See, we're, 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 we're figuring this out together. Marco Avant is your number four player. 
already committed to Arkansas. He's another one that was offered and committed on the same day. You've got T.S. Martin, uh, 6'3", Corey Platt, Cole Joyce. We've heard a lot about Cole Joyce, and there's a lot of expectations of his recruitment over there at Bentonville uh, expected to uh, to blow up. And then a kid that I've been watching a lot of film on, this tight end also out of Parkview Magnet out of Little Rock, Aaron Outley. This kid is impressive. If you get an opportunity to go watch his film, he is a he I don't know, he just stands out on film. He's athletic, fast. Once he gets that ball, he looks quicker than, than what a tight end should be, who's six four and a half, two hundred and fifty pounds. Hunter Smith and then Landon Rogers makes out your top ten. You've also got Marlon Crockett, who's kind of on the bubble. Uh, Jordan Hanna over there in uh, Greenwood. What else is new? Greenwood pumping out D1 talent. What else is new? So, all right. Now we're going to transition to Arkansas basketball really fast on April 10th. And then this will probably close out. You know, we're going to talk about the Razorbacks and Isaiah Joe, and then we'll get on to the next segment. Uh, April 10th, Jalen Tate, Northern Kentucky guard, uh, 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 transfers to Arkansas, 6'6", 175 pounds. Known for being a monster defensive player. Pretty good reach. Pretty good arm length. A lengthy guard, you know, 6'6 and a half, 175 pounds, 180 pounds, not too shabby. He averaged almost 14 points, five rebounds, and nearly four assists per game with NKU a year ago. So he is added to the list. Um, also, Devontae Davis, Jalen Williams, uh, as of right now, while recording this, are your only two signees for this Razorback basketball class. Uh, they're waiting on KK. I believe he's waiting until, is it his, his dad's birthday or his uncle's birthday on Monday? Is If I'm not correct. Regardless, he's waiting until Monday. And then I don't know what's up with Moses Moody. I will, and this is just me, not the hog talk. Just, this is just me talking, Ty Hudson. I don't know what's going on with his recruitment. I don't know. If, as far as I had heard, and this has been a little while, this has been some weeks now, he was all hog. I'm not sure why he hasn't signed and if there's a plan to if again if there's if there's an update we'll try to keep you guys up to date across social media on all these kids not just Moses Moody but KK Jalen and Devonte that still makes for a, a pretty decent class but Moses Moody definitely sums this thing up all right next up again how about this Kyle Sutherland and Porter Hayes going to interview John Neighbors coming up on this next segment you guys stay tuned since 1984, Max's Garage, located at 1010 South Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas, has been your one-stop shop for all of your auto repair needs, including tune-ups, oil changes, transmission repairs, and even body work. Stop by or give them a call today at 870-942-4612. Again, that's 870-942-4612. All right, so we're back on the Hog Talk podcast. My name is Kyle Sutherland alongside Porter Hayes. We are happy to be joined by 1037 The Buzz's John Neighbors. As of the last few months, he is the co host with Joe Franklin from the One to Four show on Out of Bounds. And, John, I know it's very cliche right now for anyone that does a podcast or a radio show to ask them what they're doing during quarantine. I know that right now you're pretty much business as usual. You've been doing your radio show every day, but how is your uh, how, is, how has it been for you going from Fort Smith over the last couple of months to moving to Little Rock and joining a new radio station? 
Well, honestly, it's been pretty great. Uh, I always wanted to get back in Little Rock. Always wanted to work at 1037 The Buzz because they're the the biggest and best radio station for as far as sports goes uh, in the state. So it was always a dream of mine to get back here. But uh, I'm I'm excited because I love the time slot. I know it's a difficult one in most people's minds because it's not the morning drive or the afternoon drive. It's kind of uh, stuck in the middle, but I, I love the opportunity that came and the timing of it was good. I mean, it just all really worked out. So I think the best thing about it, though, is I'm not having to wake up at 430 every morning, which is a huge plus because I am not a morning person whatsoever. So the fact is, is I can just kind of wake up when I want to wake up and still uh, be able to get off work early enough to go and enjoy the nightlife. It's pretty much exactly what I need in my life. I need to have that type of radio show and that type of slot. So I'm really enjoying it. I'm loving it. Obviously, with the coronavirus thing, it's kind of put a wrench into a lot of things. But uh, besides that, it's it's just been absolutely incredible, and I could not be more thankful for it. You know, John, when, when you left the morning rush, I mean, I think we all here in the River Valley, you know, remember your last day and how heartfelt a message you left with, with the guys at the morning rush and you know, how, how long did it take you to kind of like reset yourself, you know, get over that emotional, you know, you leaving what Tommy did for you and, and all right, now business is back to normal. I'm going to a new radio station and, and to get in the swing of things down there. I think that, it, you know, it sounds maybe a little harsh, but it was literally the, the day I left because uh, I've always had to make sure that in, in this career, especially in this path, you know, it, it's tough to be like to leave somewhere like the morning rush and to leave those guys, which had done so much for me. And, and I really enjoyed working there to go in and start something new. I, I, I didn't want to leave necessarily unless it was for this job. But at the same time, this was a, an opportunity I couldn't pass up. So I took it as I'm going to give it my all until the very end. But as soon as that end is done, I have to shift my entire and total gear to the to the next level and to my new show and it's very un, it's very weird because not many times will you see where a friday i'm doing the morning rush and then on monday i'm doing the out of bounds like it, it was just a weekend two days essentially was the difference so it was really unorthodox but you know i had to look at it from the perspective of if i don't come into my new show completely and totally all on board on this and working really hard to make it work then I'm I'm not going to survive here. So it had to be a pretty quick turnaround. But luckily, uh, you know, Tommy and the guys back there at the Morning Rush were very helpful and and very accommodating. And same thing with the guys at the Buzz and Justin Aker. He's a very close friend of mine. They were very good at helping me and working with me on making sure that it was as seamless as a transition as possible. So it was pretty quick. But you know, that's kind of the way the business is. You got to. As uh, Bill Belichick would say, we're on to Cincinnati. You know, you got to move on to the next stop. John, this time of year, typically with the success of the Razorback baseball program over the last, I don't know, 10 or 10 plus years, we've been talking about once you get to mid-April about their how they're doing in the SEC races and where they're going to get as, as we get closer to the postseason. But as we've just been talking about, things are a lot different right now. And we've been hearing a bunch of different things that possibly – the country could be open by June 1st. President Trump had initially said that it, he had hoped that it would be open by Easter. Some have said that it might be another year. We really just don't know what it would ha- what will happen at this point. 
how do you see football season as we get closer and we're, we're right now, I guess would have been, she's been finishing spring practice not too long ago, but how do you see it happening? Do you think that, that they'll play it just like a regular schedule from September until January, February with or January with no fans or limited fans? Or do you think it could possibly be stretched out to maybe February and be a spring sport? I think it's going to come down to what the NCAA and everybody wants to do because Let's be honest, I think people want sports back as soon as possible, but I would just be extremely surprised if we were able to see college football be on a schedule as what it normally would be with fans in the stands. Like I, I just don't know, given the trajectory of all of it, I don't know if that would be the case. However, I think that the option's going to be there where we're going to have college football uh, it's, it's like for this upcoming season in 2020, we will have it this year. Now it may not start until later. It, it may not start until the winter time, but it will happen. And so I'm kind of, and this is something I talked about on my show today. I'm kind of torn between the two because I want sports to return quickly and I want college football to be here in the fall because we all want that. But at the same time though, do I really want college football not to be played in front of fans? You know, if we waited just three or four months, would that be worth the wait of having fans in the stands and having it given that uh, pageantry and tradition that we all know and love? I mean, how can you can you really call how who's going to call the hogs in Razorback Stadium if there's no fans like you can't call the hogs. So it would be just a weird thing. I I hope my hope is, is that we have a delayed start to college football, maybe by a month. And then we're able to have fully have fans in the stands. The schedule picks up right where it left off. All the games are able to get played and, and we can get back to some normalcy. But I don't know about you guys. I get sick and tired of these national media guys just poo-pooing on any type of uh, perspective or any type of idea that sports can return. It just seems really annoying to me that some people are just totally against it and get mad if anybody suggests it. But I want sports back. I, I'm not afraid to say it. I, I don't want to sacrifice anyone's health. But if we can have actual plans put into place and start moving towards that, then we need to do it quick, fast, and in a hurry because this country needs sports in a desperate way. Well, I think it's not just the sports in general. I mean, I agree with the, everything you just said, but I feel that some and, – and safety – and we've said this on this podcast I don't even know how many times. The safety of humanity is first and foremost the most important thing. But I think for me, when it, what it's really coming down to is, are we going to be able to wait another year or just however long it might be for a vaccine to come around before the economy just completely shuts down? You look at how important football is from a revenue standpoint, not just to the sports, but to the universities in general. I mean, the University of Cincinnati has already shut down their soccer program. That's kind of why I think that there is absolutely no chance. I know Kirk Herbstreet's come out. Chris Fowler was the one that came out with, with the article that had said that it might start in February and end by summer. There's just no way that the season's going to be completely cut short because there's just too much. Realistically, there's just too much money to be lost. But I'm with you. I, I think that, yes, we are sports deprived. You want to continue to be safe about it, but it, it's really going to come down, I feel like, to, like I was saying just a second ago, is – how long can we just sit around and wait for a vaccine? Yeah, I don't I don't think that's possible because, you know, it's one thing if certain leagues like professional leagues and all that can do it or, you know, but we're going to get to a point, especially once fall comes around, where it's going to be do it or die for a lot of things because everyone just thinks, oh, well, who's going to be impacted? The coaches who make so millions of dollars and, 
you know, a few uh, assistant coaches, which still get paid really well. Like it, they don't understand the economic impact of just college football. And, and like here in the state of Arkansas, like in my job field, for instance, if we can't have Razorback football games being played on our radio station, that's a huge revenue blow. Like that's a lot of money that we lose in advertising. Uh, it's the same way with IMG radio broadcast. It's the same way with television broadcast. It's the same way with the local news that has to cover the Razorbacks. Uh, I mean, it, it impacts so many people for so many different reasons, and it could lead to people losing their jobs. So I'm of the belief that I would rather see us kind of push it back, push the envelope a little bit to try to get us as you know in this industry, especially in the sports industry, back to at least to a point to where we can still have games, we can still watch them, they can still be played on the radio, they can still be played on TV, people can still be a part of it, everyone makes the money coming in, and no one's out of or any, any sort of harm. And I think that that's a, that's a reasonable way of going about it. People just have to put their swords down and come to a compromise and come to an agreement that, hey, we can do this. It's just a matter of making sure we have the right plans in place to actually make it happen. But as long as you have two people on different sides of the aisle that are going to be yelling at each other of saying that, you know, this is horrible if we bring it back too soon or the other side of it saying this is horrible because we're having to wait so long, you're, you're never going to get anywhere. So we just need to find some sort of middle ground to be able to come to an agreement and get sports back where they need because, you know, it, it may not seem like the most pressing issue for some, but for somebody in my industry, somebody whose job depends on sports being played. I'm wanting them back because I want to have a job just like everybody else. Well, and how difficult is it going to be for these colleges that, you know, they're wanting to bring college football back so early when of all the three major sports, I mean, these top tier programs, you lose one or two games and your, your national title hopes are basically gone. You know, it ain't like the luxury of basketball or baseball where you can lose a series or lose 10 15 games and still have a chance to compete for a national title i mean how how is it going to affect these coaches when they do bring it back to really be able to get back in full swing and and, and compete for a national championship man i don't know i, I the person i feel the worst for is sam Pittman because you know he's a guy that's going to be a, a head coach for the first time at least at a major level he needed that spring practice so badly to try to build that team and lay that foundation. He didn't get it. And so I think it's going to be really tough for all the coaches to, you know, get on the same page, but here's what I'm hoping for. And this is kind of a weird way to look at it, but I'm hoping for, we talk about flattening the curve when it comes to the coronavirus and social distancing. I'm hoping we can flatten the curve in college football where now there's going to be some big time programs, some big time coaches. We've had some big time teams that may be a little less prepared than what they should be. Maybe they're out of their element a little bit. And then you see other coaches that may be able to benefit or to do a better job of coaching during this time to where they can surpass them a little bit. Because, you know, listen, Nick Saban's the greatest coach of all time in college football. But what's Nick? how does Nick Saban handle not being able to go through his reg regimen of coaching spring, uh, of going through summer workouts, of being able to have the contact that he does – is that going to be, uh, you know, is that he's going to be able to handle that? Probably, and I'm not saying he wouldn't, but I'd like to see what he can do because maybe he doesn't handle it so well, but a guy like Sam Pittman does a really good job with it. 
And so maybe there's a little evening out there. I think that at the end of the day, I love to see just who's impacted the most by this. Because if we have college football this year, there may be some surprises to people of coaches that didn't handle the coronavirus very well, didn't know how to make sure their team was prepared and how to get the best out of it, where there were some coaches that went above and beyond and made the most of it and really improved their team a lot more. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. John, you talked about Sam Pittman, and I listened to the interview that you and Joe had on your show a couple of weeks ago, and that was what I was going to bring up next is I, I wanted to get your take that we've asked a lot of guests that we've had on if Pittman really is just the best coach for the position that the Razorbacks are in, that, of course, being not just being able to not win against group of five schools on your own home field or even <laughs> barely beat them in the case of Portland State, but basically Hunter Juracek was saying that he didn't have to get the flashy $5 million hire. Sam Pittman has proven himself over the years with how he can build offensive lines and build defensive lines, how he can recruit one of the best in the nation. With the situation that the Razorbacks are in right now, do you think that he is the best for the job after going through the coaching search that we just had? I think so, man. Uh, you know, I know that it's, it's always easy to say when he's actually the man at the job, but I, I will keep telling people this. Two weeks before he was hired and Arkansas was looking for a coach, I had tweeted out that I wanted Sam Pittman. And the reason is is because I I felt like the one of the biggest things that Arkansas had been missing was a guy who really got Arkansas, or at least got the SEC. Uh, Brett Bielma never got the SEC. He never got the Southern vibe. He never got Arkansas. He just, you know, it didn't work out. And Chad Morris, I don't even want to mention his name because he gets sick, but you know, they, there are so many different elements to Sam Pittman that fits Arkansas perfectly. And what I learned about Sam Pittman more so than anybody is that players love to play for him and they will always remember him. Coaches love to coach with him. And those two pieces to me are going to show to me is that he's always going to have players that fight for him. And he's always going to have coaches that want to come in here into this program and buy in. And as long as you have that, I feel like that's going to be an element because I like, just look at I'm not trying to make the comparisons because he just won a championship. But look at Ed Orgeron, Ed Orgeron, all the coaches love coaching with him. All the players love playing for him. Now, is that going to be Arkansas? He's going to be like Ed Orgeron. I don't know. We'll see. But I'd rather have that guy who, you know, they're always going to put forth the effort. They may not win all the games, but they're going to put it the, in, in the effort more so than what we've seen over the past few seasons where players give up like, because they don't want to fight for this guy. They don't care about Chad Morris. They don't care about a coach. They don't care about anybody. They just give up. They need somebody that'll fight. And I think Sam Pittman's going to fight like heck to make sure that his guys are always prepared. They're always going to bring it. And you'll never have to worry about being embarrassed like you were over the past two years. Oh, I'm not trying to lay it on too thick either, but you brought up Ed Orgeron. And I will say, if for those that did not know, that in the college football playoff this year, three out of the four coaches that led their teams there were at one point interim head coaches. So that's something to think about. Absolutely. Including Dabo. Yeah. Including Dabo. Of course, Porter had to throw that in. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, but listen, it, it's it, but it's true. Like, I don't think that because it was the same thing when people talked about quarterbacks, you know, and the amount of transfer quarterbacks that were on teams in the college football playoff. Like. Listen, all these people that wanted Lane Kiffin or Mike Leach and all that, I'm not saying they wouldn't be good coaches, but I want to have a guy like Pittman who's got to prove something. He's still got to prove – like Mike Leach has proven that he's a good coach. 
Now, when he's when he goes to Starkville, is he going to still have that same fire, that same passion? I don't know. But I know that Sam Pittman, he hasn't proven himself at all as a head coach. So he's going to put in that work. Because that was another thing I felt like with Brett Bielema. He mailed it in, man. He, he had felt like he had proven himself and he had gotten to the point where he could just put on cruise control and had success and it didn't work out. Pittman's not going to be that way. I'd rather, again, I'd rather have somebody that's going to put in the work, that's going to be passionate about it and try his hardest than somebody that's just going to try to live off the paycheck and all that. And if you need any further evidence of that, just look at the contract Sam Pittman signed. And I'll tell you all you need to know because he ain't doing these $15 million buyouts or anything nonsensical like that. He's going to try to prove himself before he gets paid. And, John, I know that on your Twitter especially, you're very interactive with fans. Of course, during football season, you updated the rosters on NCAA 14 and did kind of like a a pregame to what was going on that weekend to see if Arkansas had a chance to, to win at least during the game. And – Right now on Twitter, there's a bunch of different helmets going around. It seems to be the most popular one is the one with the state flag on it. Is What, what would you say out of all the ones that are floating around out there that you would pick if they were going to pick for like maybe a Little Rock game? I'd say the state flag for sure. Uh, I was looking at the other ones. I mean, uniforms to me is the most overblown thing of anything in Razorback arguments. Like, uh, I get like the helmet, it, you know, the classic look of the red helmet, white hog. Yeah, let's stick with that. If you want to mix it up a little bit, I think that that state flag helmet would be awesome. But I don't know, like the University of Arkansas football team has not had a consistent uniform in their history. So I don't know why anybody gets mad when they change it up. I'm like, not only have they changed designs, they've changed shades of red. Like there was a time in the 80s when it was almost like maroon. And then there was times like during the Bobby Petrino years, it looked like it was almost close to Georgia red. Like it's never been the same. So I never understood why people make a big deal out of it. I think they should do more of it. I think that they should make it happen. And I know this for a fact, guys, that when Brett Bielman was at Arkansas, Nike came to Arkansas and said, hey, we want to make you guys the organ of the South. We want to make you to where we give you guys crazy, new, unique uniform designs all the time. And Brett Bielma in Arkansas said no, because they like traditional type looks, which I think is dumb. So I'm all for it. I like trying things new. Some things work. I don't like the anthracite necessarily. But if he did that with the helmet, I could get down with that. And I think most people would for sure. I mean, John, could you imagine, you know, with everything going on with this pandemic and the COVID and everything, could you just imagine that first game? them coming out of the A with the Arkansas state flag on their helmets and how that would kind of just put a perfect ending to all this stuff that were going on. Cause I mean, we, the our age, we remember nine 11 and I remember George Bush throwing out that first pitch and just, and I'm not a big baseball fan, but I mean, it captivated you with the world series happened to be between the Yankees and the Mets and him coming out there and throwing that first pitch. I, I think it would be just a, finishing touch on the hogs running out of that a with that arkansas state flag on their helmet oh yeah i mean dude my my nips would get hard from just watching them run out that way that way that'd be to be awesome just to see that i think that uh it's it's unique and it's everyone loves the state flag and i think that it would be a nice gesture like you said with all the coronavirus stuff going on for people to 
to really uh, rally around it too. And I think there'd be people that would be wanting to buy some of those helmets as well. So I think it'd be a great thing. Um, I doubt they do it because they never do cool things like that. Almost never. Like the coolest thing they ever did was a throwback to the 64 national championship team in 2014. I thought those were awesome. Um, but it seems like all the things that they try new normally don't work. Like the throwbacks in basketball to 94 was great. So let's see more of that and let's see some creativity. And if the olds get pissed off, then let them get pissed off. Who cares? They're uniforms. If the kids love them, if some of the fans love them, that's what matters the most. Don't worry about, you know, old men yelling at clouds on Twitter. It just, it's dumb. So kind of switching subjects over to, to basketball, you know, today we found out the number one uh, guy in the nation, Jalen Green, is expected to enter the G League through the pathway program. So what impact could this have now with, with other people, especially with what we're going on with now and extending, you know, the signing period, what could this do for Arkansas and and other schools moving forward? If, if more kids start foregoing college altogether to go make, you know, the big bucks in the G league and, and moved to the NBA. I mean, it could, possibly could do away with the one and done rule let them i'm all for it let them do it let let it i felt like it was so dumb when they did this one and done thing it is so stupid if they don't want to be in college don't make them be in college i i just do not believe for a second that if the one if they just open it up to where it used to be where if you could go pro straight out of high school is that really going to make college basketball worse is people going to stop watching it are people going to stop watching march madness no Now, you're just not going to have the superstar power that maybe you would, but you're still going to have good teams relevant uh, relatively because you're still going to be quality players in college basketball. So I'm hoping that this will open it up to where they can go back to eliminating the one and done rule and let players do this. So because let's be honest, guys, a guy like Moses Moody, which is Arkansas's best recruit of this class, he's probably not good enough to go one and done or not good enough to go straight to the NBA out of high school. But he's still a really good player and I can't wait to watch him. There's a lot of players like that. So I hope it goes to that point. I'd like to see where you're not having to deal with one and dones and see more of guys who need college, stay in college, stick around for college and builds more parity around college basketball. I think it'd be great for the sport. That's where I've always been myself just because I, I hate the one-and-done rule, just like a lot of people do. We wonder why there's so many upsets in the NCAA tournament, and a lot of it, I, I think, is because you've got the smaller programs that play together for three and four years, and you get a lot of those guys that have been around each other for so long. Where you're playing, yes, the really talented teams in Kentucky and Duke and all these other ones, but once you get to the postseason, it's a totally different game. And you're 18, 19 years old. You've only been together for a few months playing, not even for a full year. And all the while you're in college for that one year, you're taping, you're taking typing one and two during the first semester. The second semester, you go to the NCAA tournament, finish out your season, then you're getting ready for the NBA. So I'm with you. I think that it should be exactly like the the, the way that they do college baseball. If you can, I'm one of those people, and I'm not trying to get too political here, but I think that if you can go to war and die at 18 years old, you should be able to make a decision, especially if you're a phenom, to go pro. That's just kind of how I look at it, whether it be for baseball, for basketball, and I think that they should adapt that rule again if they were to to go pro straight out of high school or if they go to college that 
you go for the three years minimum. That's just yeah. kind of my take on it. Yeah, because, I mean, the NFL is different because there's not a single – I don't care what anybody says. There's not a single 18-year-old kid that's ready for the NFL. doesn't matter what they are. They're not ready for it. But basketball, baseball, it's a little different. So make the adjustment. Like the one and done, I mean, is it hurting the NBA to have players coming out of high school? No, because – some of the great players that didn't go to college, it worked out for them. And then if they decide to go to the G League, let them go to the G League. Let them do that. But if they want to go to college, go to college. It doesn't matter. It, at the end of the day, you're still going to get quality players in college. You're still going to have March Madness. You're still going to have a lot of people watching it and enjoying it. Razorback fans are still going to show up. Let it happen and, and just be done with it. So that way there's not this constant arguing and discussion and bullcrap dealing with it because it's honestly really tiring of how we have to do this every year. Yeah, definitely, and that's what I think what makes March Madness and basketball so special is because these guys that are with Kentucky and Duke, you know, these one-and-done guys, you know, you get to the tournament, and if you lose a game, you're like, oh, whatever, here in a couple of months, I'm going to be a millionaire. So they don't care. You know, you got these smaller schools who have these guys that they want to beat a Kentucky. They want to beat a Duke. That's their marquee win that they can always hang their hat on, and that passion and that chip on their shoulder were – you know, they can go into a game saying, man, we we can win this. Exactly. Like that's and that's all we care about. Like, honestly, if if Bobby Portis was coming out of high school and you wanted to go to the NBA, great. And, you know, that would be up to the coach to, to replace him with having other good players and still having fun college basketball. Like it's just it's not going to impact the sport. Like no one's going to stop watching college basketball. That's already watching college basketball because of Zion Williamson going straight to the league. Like it's not going to happen. So it just needs to happen now and, and get it over with. Cause like I said, there's no legitimate or logical reason behind it anymore. Well, and also it could, it could end the, you know, how with, colleges are going to start paying for likeness and it, it can honestly help the NCAA because if more kids start going to the G League that's going to be less that these colleges are going to be having to pay these high profile people for their likeness exactly like who and so if you can eliminate that stuff do it again there's no logic behind it there's no reasoning behind it it's just almost like ego behind it and you know wanting to keep the big time players of staying in college or at least for a year it's it's dumb so i hope more players go to the d league and the g league and all of that instead of college because then they'll change the rules and make it more uh make it better for both leagues make it better for the nba make it better for college basketball and just be done with this nonsense well john we really appreciate you coming on and taking some time out to talk to us tonight and uh for those that do not listen now i don't know what you're doing if you don't listen to the buzz radio network but again you can as i said at the beginning of the show you can catch john and joe franklin from one to four monday through friday on out of bounds a lot of great stuff on there a lot of great guests that they have coming on and uh john again really appreciate the time that you took out for us no problem at all, guys. You guys do a great job. Keep it up, man. And uh, like I said, if you ever need anything, just uh, reach out to me, man. We'll make it work. Well, that will do it for us here at the Hog Talk for another episode. My name's Kyle Sutherland. For Porter Hayes and John Neighbors, you've been listening to Hog Talk. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.